Hey guys, Texas Slim here. Uh, today we're going to have a podcast. Uh, we're shaking it up here a little bit. Finally, we're getting a little bit more organized. I am getting more organized. We're going to have uh, Andy with Crowd Health. We've uh, partnered up with Crowd Health, the Beef Initiative has, and uh, we did a podcast this week, and I want you guys to check it out. You know, we're both on a mission to save a lot of lives. Me personally, I have a goal this year is uh, we're going to save 100,000 people's lives. Uh, we're trying to get 100,000 people on our Substack. Uh, that's the gateway into this new international lifestyle. It's value for value. It's more about it's more than just about beef boxes. This is about saving children's lives. It starts with us, the adults, the parents, and it's time for us to basically point our compass, you know, in, in a different direction. This week, uh, with me, I'm pointing my compass uh, back down to South Texas, but I'm going to go via Lubbock, Texas, where uh, holy cow. Ann and Weldon Warren are out there. I'm going to go spend a couple of days out there on their ranch. Uh, we're going to talk business. We're going to talk strategy. We're going to talk uh, the Great American Rancher. We're going to talk about the Great American Health Initiative that we're kicking off on November 5th down there at the, uh, you know, that new processing plant that we've uh, been working on. Well, Cole's been working his butt off down there. And uh, I don't think he slept in the last, I don't know, six weeks now, but they're up and running. For everybody that has placed orders, thank you so much for your patience. This is a one-time thing. Uh, this ain't going to be any more delays after this. We're about to feed a nation, and we're very confident about that. So thank you for your patience and your gratitude and your respect. Um, from there, I'm going to go down to the processing center, and then I'm going to fly out to uh, short Charlotte, North Carolina, on the 21st, and they're going to have a Halloween, a Bitcoin community there. Liz and Jacob, uh, they've put together a pretty fun function. It's going to be two days there in Charlotte, North Carolina. So uh, look it up. Uh, you can always find everything through my Substack, of course, and I'm going to keep on harping on that. We're going to get 100,000 subscriptions, and we need you. We need you sharing all that. So enjoy this rip, and then uh, you'll see me on the flip side. And I appreciate you guys. Much love, much uh, respect gratitude let's uh let's take control of this have fun hey you don't have to pay bad insurance anymore let's look at crowd health and see what you can get out of them hey texas slim here i got andy with uh crowd health uh how you doing today andy i'm doing well man thanks for having me on well you know it's been a how long has it been since we sit down there in austin and we kind of had a discussion and say hey let's partner up yeah, I mean, it, it felt like yesterday. Maybe I, I don't think it's more than a month ago, was it? Month <laughs> I don't know, ago. man. I've been on the road. I was trying to think the other day. I woke up and I was like, "Holy crap, man! I'm exhausted." <laughs> I didn't know I was. What city am I in? <laughs> exactly. I've been. To, I, I I do this thing, and sometimes I'm good at it. I take all the damn motel and hotel keys, you know, and the stack is getting very thick. Jeez. And it's like I can't remember. I'm asking my family. It's like, hey, where was I on this date? <laughs> so because so I've been funny. gone so much, but it was in Austin. It was before Georgia, and I said, hey, I'm heading out to Georgia. You guys were mm -hmm. actually a sponsor. I really do appreciate that. We got to get you kind of introduced, you know, as far as us partnering up. And I think it's very vital within the Beef Initiative that we we provide kind of a lifestyle. You know, I always say this is an international lifestyle people don't understand yet. And what it starts was, of course, pure nutrition, you know, mm -hmm. with pure animal protein, best beef in Texas, by, by the way. But uh, on that note, we really need to start having the conversation about health, health care, 
and yeah. the, the lack of options, where we've come from, uh, where we are now and where we're going. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so whenever you and I sat down, I mean, we could have talked for hours, mm-hmm. but we said, hey, let's do a podcast whenever I get back from Georgia. And so here we are. So why don't you give an introduction of who you are, uh, sure. you know, where you came from, what you're putting together, what you have put together. And then we'll kind of go into some discussions on uh, and the importance of it, roadmaps, you know, call to actions. Sure. Yeah. No, I, again, thanks for having me on. I appreciate yeah. it. You know, we, I'm, uh, I'm originally from the Midwest, Midwest kid. So was did not grow up in Texas, but I'm, I'm trying to, I, I moved here in 2014. Um, my two girls were born here. So they are like legitimate Texans. I, I don't know, but I, you're the person to ask, like, how long do you have to live in Texas before you can call yourself a Texan? <laughs> people are asking me that a lot um, <laughs> one thing i guess is my the texas slim criteria is going to be something like this is like whenever you wear out your first pair of boots there you go and you okay. can have proof of work that you've done that and it wasn't on concrete then i think you might be a little bit texan okay i love it i love it well you know i i, I moved to texas uh you know back in 2014 i, I just sold a healthcare company um and we were doing remote patient monitoring so we were monitoring blood sugars and blood glucose and, 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 uh, uh, weight and, and pulse and all that kind of stuff out of the home for folks with chronic conditions. Um, and, you know, ultimately what we will probably talk about today is like, how do you keep yourself from having chronic conditions and getting yourself to that place? So we are in a very reactive mode to that. Um, but moved down here and, and I didn't have health insurance. And so, uh, I thought that the only place to go was the healthcare.gov and I learned quickly that uh, those plans are pretty much garbage. Um, my little one, who's one at the time, was having recurring ear infections. And so we went to the ear, nose, and throat doc who's told her told us she had a, a hole in her ear. So we had to go to the, the hospital, get that fixed, get the bill. It was $8,000. And uh, I'm like, wow, holy crap, $8,000 for 15 minutes. Like, that's ridiculous. Um, but that's what health insurance is supposed to be for. Um, so my, my health insurance plan, uh, sent me something in snail mail a, a few weeks after that and said it was medically unnecessary. So they weren't going to pay the bill. Hmm. Um, and I was just like, man, um, you know, my, my, my ear, nose and throat doc said she was going to lose her hearing if we didn't have this procedure yet. My health insurance plan says it's medically unnecessary, which doesn't make any damn sense. Right. Right. So I had a, I had a stroke, stroke an $8,000 check to the local hospital. Um, and I was pissed. So I told my, my, uh, plan that I'm out. I'm, you know, if you're not going to pay my bills, I'm not paying your bills. And so we've been uninsured, uh, for the last two and a half years and have ne- never felt so free when it comes to our healthcare. Um, right. over that, over that period of time, we've started building these tools to allow people to get, you know, really great healthcare without health insurance and actually better healthcare from my perspective than if you're going through a health insurance. And so, um, yeah, we've been running that for the last, you know, almost two years now and have thousands of people that have signed up with us. And we're able to, to get and enable people to get healthcare for about 50% of what they would pay on, you know, healthcare.gov or some of these other, other platforms. So it's been, been a ton of fun, you know, in terms of our conversation, I thought it was when I was thinking about starting a company, you know, clearly you say, okay, what is the problem, Right. And you yeah. know, we have two major problems in healthcare. One is just price. You know, we we pay twice as much for the same procedure than anyone else on the planet. Um, but the other problem that we have is obesity. Yeah. Um, and we have twice as many obese people 
than anybody else on the planet. You know, so we've gone from 15% in 1970 to almost 40% here in, in present day. So we've more than tripled, almost quad, or, yeah, almost tripled the number of, of obese people that we have in this in this country. And, and the problem with that is that they use twice as much healthcare as right. folks as non-obese, right? And so well, we have a problem. Yeah, it's, it's a major epidemic and, you know, it's the shadow in which a lot of people live in. And, you know, it's the white elephant in the room, whatever you want to call it, it is real. It has happened. And like you brought up some, you know, numbers as far as dates, you know, from the low 1970s, of course. And as Bitcoiners, a lot of people, people understand what happened in 1971. You know, we debased our dollar. Well, we debased our nutritional delivery to our families, to our food, to ourselves, to our children. And throughout that time, this 50-year period, you can look at the statistics, you can look at the percentages, and you know, you say 40% of Americans, that's almost half of Americans are yeah. now obese. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, there's another 20, 28% that are right there on the doorstep. Mm -hmm. And they're mm -hmm. and they're not doing anything. They're not really getting the education or the information. Uh, to change their consumption models. And that would be from the food to the audio, to the video, to education, to the information that's really readily available available in the centralized world. It's not there. Yeah. And, you know, that's what we have. We have this hamster wheel of people trying to maybe be intentional about losing, you know, the weight or changing their lifestyle, changing the consumption models, and they don't know where to turn. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you experience it not you weren't obese, but what you were experiencing was a lack of true healthcare. Mm -hmm. Somebody that was going to be able to be, you know, something, a pillar of strength that you can lean on. What I remember in the 90s in Austin, Texas, during the startup days, and, you know, everybody was, you know, there was good money out there for my lifetime, for my, me being a young professional. We never had to pay. That was part of the job. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was amazing. I really did have great healthcare in the 90s. I never even had to use it though because it was young and it was vibrant mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But I remember I, it, I wasn't ever stressed about it. It was something that I felt was a pillar of strength. It's like, okay, I, you know, they got my back. I'm good. But in the, during the 90s, you know, the 2000s and then the 10s and then now we're in the 20s, we are in a point in time. I don't, I don't have healthcare. I haven't had healthcare since I don't even remember when. And I've got a story behind that that's just fascinating as anybody else's. I'm not special, mm -hmm. but dang, I think a lot of individuals out there are stuck in this position. And, you know, going back to obesity, people do not realize the amount of healthcare costs that is being sucked up by obesity, the metabolical destruction that we're facing in the United States right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we are twice as obese or twice the number of obese people in our country than other economically developed uh, countries. And so, you know, that is having probably about a trillion dollars worth of healthcare costs. Um, you know, we spend four trillion in this country, about a trillion, I, I think, is directly related to obesity. And you can actually kind of do the math to figure that out. Mm -hmm. um, and the interesting thing is in our country, the folks who are non-obese actually utilize less healthcare than the rest of the economically developed world. So we have an overweight of the overweight who, who, who pay, yeah. you know, who use twice as much healthcare and pay twice as much as people in the rest of the world. And that's our major, one of our major problems um, is we just have people who are still looking at this 
you know, stupid food triangle who think that, you know, pasta and Cheerios are more nutritious for you than, than a steak. Um, you've got the folks who are on this, you know, rant about climate change being anti, you know, beef farts, right. And so that we shouldn't yeah. have, you know, really good nutritious food because the cattle fart and that's bad for the environment. And it's like this never ending, like psyop on, you know, you know, beef being bad cholesterol, high cholesterol, don't eat beef because that's high cholesterol, high cholesterol will lead you to heart attacks. Like all of these, these, um, just myths that get roped into our, our just cultural lexicon that, um, are, are really, I think having an impact on me and you who are paying taxes to pay for everybody's healthcare that are having these chronic conditions. And if they would just change their diet, the vast majority of these chronic conditions would go away. You know, the, the latest study I saw was somewhere between 70 and 80% of chronic conditions go away if you're not obese, you don't smoke, and you work out on occasion, right? Like, that's all you have to do. Like, just, yeah. just eat better, right? Don't eat all these carbs, work out two or three times a week, and don't smoke, right? And so those are the three things that are going to lead you to have chronic conditions. And it's like, for me, it's my, my incentive is like, I want to see my kids and my grandkids and be able to run around in the backyard with them, with them, right? Not getting stuck inside with, you know, COPD with an oxygen mask stuck to my face, you know, or congestive heart failure where I can't even walk and get off the couch. Like, why is that not enough of an incentive for people to be like, I've got to change my behavior. I got to change my diet. And unfortunately, we have a kind of a high time preference society where it's like, gratiate myself now even though, you know, in a decade or two decades, my body is going to be absolutely torn up. And so I'm not going to be able to do the things that, you know, people in their 60s, 70s, 80s should be doing. And, and people think that it's not achievable. People, you know, they come to, I was having a discussion with my father. He was a counselor for uh, addiction, LCDC counselor for over 25 years. And I, I use him a lot, you know, as far as, you know, his perspectives. But if we, people think, you know, they look at food, even 10 years ago, food was different. Now, whenever people have this consumption model, this highly processed food industry, kind of what you refer to as pastas or Cheerios or whatever, you know, those packaging things that say, you know, heart healthy, you know, uh, low cholesterol, you know, that's where the, the deception is. And, you know, we talk about, you know, we were there. We were in our 80s. My father's 81 years old. I'm smart as a whip. You know, and he he loves to be able to reflect back as well. This is something new. This is a new phenomenon that people need to accept that this is happening. A lot of times, you know, people don't know how to change your consumption models. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to get off of this drug that now is food. Food is a drug and it is medicinal. So how do you look at it? You get to the source of the seed of how we got here. Pure animal protein is how all of our ancestors got here got us here to where us, we can, you know, lead the charge like you, you know, you being in, in healthcare, you know, and trying to, you know, turn it on. It's basically it's head and that's what needs to happen, but it starts with the individual sure. and, it, and, it, and you're giving great options, you know, and one thing that's very important is that we need to kind of reiterate the importance of removing yourself from the insurance agent uh, industry. Uh, you know, that we currently are faced with. And people are very scared of that because where does that lead? Well, I'm not going to be protected. I could sure. die. You know, I don't, I, I, what am I going to do? Well, now there's more options and, and people like you, crowd health, 
and they're starting to kind of, you know, start to sprout up. But one thing about you guys, you, you guys are really stating the case. You have a very good narrative of why do you need to remove yourself right now from the healthcare industry? Well, it's interesting, right? Because this fear emotion that people use, we're seeing in, you know, Bitcoin, right? Because mm-hmm. the, the non, the fiat world looks at Bitcoin and says, oh, this is not real. It's, it's fake. Like you can't use it for anything. You know, the, the Peter Schiff's of the world who say it's gold, gold, gold. Right. And, um, and say, so, you know, so they're using fear to, to downplay Bitcoin, right. In the food space, they are using fear to downplay animal proteins, right. Whether it be the climate, right. we're going to, we're, we're blowing up our climate or it's, high cholesterol leads to heart attacks, right? And so, you know, I saw a stat the other day and, and I'll tell you kind of a quick personal story, but um, I saw a stat the other day that 77% of people who had heart attacks did not have high cholesterol. And so, you know, you can come out of that with two possible conclusions. And I thought this was interesting. One is, okay, well, maybe the conclusion is, is that high cholesterol does not impact heart, heart attacks, the probability of heart attacks. Or the second conclusion, and this is the conclusion that the author, who's a mainstream media you know, doc, right, said is, oh, well, we need to lower the threshold for what is a you know, bad, bad cholesterol, right? So instead of like 100 of LDL, we want to put it to 70. And so what does that do? That gets a whole hell of a lot more people on statins and pharma and all this kind of stuff, right? And so I'm, I'm actually going through this right now because... I'm a heavy animal protein eater, um, almost exclusively. And so yeah. I, I got my lab tests and my, you know, my LDL was pretty damn high, <laughs> you know, um, it was, you know, 200, I think, and it's supposed to be a hundred, you know? And so I call my primary care doc and they're like, oh my gosh, you have to stop eating animal proteins. You got to just go on a, like a veggie diet and you have to take statins. Right. And so as, as you starting to do this research, like there's very clear, you know, scientific evidence that that may not be the case. Like high cholesterol may not lead to, to, uh, to heart attacks. Right. But that's the fear that they have, by the way, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not giving health advice. I'm just saying, this is what I'm going through right now, but it's the fear that's knocking down people's, um, you know, desire to have a high, high animal protein diet. And the same thing, the health insurance companies have, you know, mind zapped us to think that, you have to have health insurance. There's no other way to pay for your health care other than having health insurance. And I can tell you, as someone who's been doing it for two and a half years, you've been doing it, it sounds like, for a lot longer than that. No, no, you can actually you know, operate without having health insurance. And it's actually better for you. You're getting better care. Um, and so you know, for, for, for me, it's, I'm, I'm paying 175 bucks a month for me. You know, it'd be three, four, 500 bucks if you were to go to healthcare.gov. Plus, on top of that, you have a four thousand dollar deductible. So, if you just do the math, there you're you're paying somewhere between eight and ten thousand dollars a year as a healthy person before the health insurance plan will pay a dollar, right? Yeah. So, I look at that and I was like, that doesn't make any damn sense. Like, I'm healthy. The probability of something really, really bad happening to me is about one in two hundred, right? I have a mm-hmm. one in two hundred shot of something really bad, and so I'm paying two thousand ten thousand dollars for a one in two hundred shot of something bad happening to me. No, I'm not going to do that. And if something bad does happen to me, I've actually got a community of people in crowd health who are willing to help me out with those with those bills. So, and by the way, that community is full of a bunch of people, they're in their mid 30s on average, 
Their BMI is four to five points below the national average. They are, you know, our people. A lot of, most of them are Bitcoiners or libertarian leaning folks um, that are saying the same thing as I'm saying, which is a middle finger to health insurance. Like you shouldn't be sovereign. I should be self-sovereign, you know, a sovereign individual over my own health. You should not have, you know, agency over me. Um, and so that's what we're really doing here at Crowd Health is saying, you know, screw you health insurance plans. We can take care of our own health. And, and, you know, that's what a lot of people want to do. They want to stand by something. You know, they want to say, hey, okay, I'm ready to put my foot down and let's go. You know, let's do that. By saying that, let's, let's, because everybody right now probably listening has never heard of this. Let's, let's talk about how crowd health works. Sure. Here, yeah. here we go. Slim's walking in here, you know, into the digital door or whatever we do. We shake hands and, you know, what are you, what are you going to tell me? Uh, how are you going to educate me? Yeah. So you, um, you, you walk in and you want to be a member of crowd health. You'll pay 175 bucks a month. It goes into an account. That account is yours. So um, we take $30 of it for a subscription fee. So 145 stays in that account. If somebody in the community has a health problem, let's say Andy breaks his arm and it's $5,000, Andy will pay the first 500. Crowd Health will go to its thousands of members and say, hey, will you pitch in and help Andy with his, his broken arm? So they'll ask, let's just say 90 people for $50 each, right? That will get um, me my, enough money to pay for my broken arm. And they can say yes, or they can say no to giving it to me. It's a community where I'm not making it mandatory. If they say yes, then money goes from their account to my account. If they say no, I move on to the next person and I ask another person. Um, and then eventually what I will have is enough money in my account to go and pay for that you know, broken arm. Or if it was an emergency room visit, you, know, you have your emergency room visit, they, pay, they bill you later. We will then crowdfund it for you. So then you have enough to pay that bill. So it's really kind of bringing back this community community feel to, to healthcare. Um, you know, it's, it's the way that we've been doing it in this country for hundreds of years, how people have been doing it around the world for thousands of years. It's like, look, if somebody in your community gets hurt or, or whatever, um, then we'll step up to help them, right? Mm -hmm. if, if they get hurt and they can't plow their fields, then people in the community come around them. It's like, okay, let's help them, you know, plow their fields or, 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 do, or do whatever. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, the government and insurance companies have wedged themselves in between me and my community members, me and my neighbor. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm not really responsible for my neighbor anymore. Right. Yeah. I'm not really responsible or, or, or need to help them because they got all these intermediaries in between. And it's like, man, that's really taken the community out of out of our country. And it, whether it's a, you know, a, a neighborhood outside of Austin, Texas, or a neighborhood outside of or, you know, people who live in or outside of Corsicana, Texas, right? Like yeah. it's, it can, it, it applies across the country that we're losing this sense of community. Um, and that's what I want to bring back to, to this country is like that sense of community where we actually really cared about our neighbor, cared enough that we like, we want to, we want to help you if, yeah. if something goes wrong. Well, I've seen that. And whenever I was in big tech, I did a lot of research and analysis. And in the, uh, in 2004, I believe I was, you know, uh, I was given a, a task and it was a pretty long project, but it was about the division of interpersonal communication and what digital means or going to divide this, you know, country, divide the family, divide everybody in that family. And they were, they were studying it so they could actually accrue more money out of the individual instead of out of the family. Just like I think happened in the early seventies when you took the mom out of the home and put her to work, you had more taxpayers in the family. You know, that's something I, I've witnessed personally in, in small town Texas. 
by saying that, you know, whenever you do have that division and, you know, as a child, I had a, a buddy, he wasn't really a friend. He was a little bit older than me, broke his neck playing football, you know, at the high school stadium. Once again, the community got together and for the rest of his life, there was a trust fund that was basically developed by the community. And for the rest of his life, he was okay. He mm-hmm. led he led a good life as long as he could because of the injury that he had. Mm-hmm. If he wouldn't have had that local community, he would have been screwed. And what you're doing and what you're talking about and actually what you're actually having very good success with is something like that. It was a major injury. It, it destroyed a young six, 16, 17-year-old's, you know, life that he thought it was going to, you know, he was going to be able to live, but that community got behind it. Yeah. I think probably one question you probably hear a lot of is like, hey, what happens if, you know, I'm in, I'm in this plan, my wife has this major illness or my mm-hmm. child has this major illness, how can crowd health uh, afford to be able to compete with the mass amounts of a fiat type of billing system that you've witnessed, I've witnessed several times, what is crowd health, how does it attack that? How does it give people, you know, confidence? Yeah, I mean, and this is the kind of the core of why we're able to get pricing that is so much better than health plans is we actually allow members to pay in cash for their services. So mm-hmm. imagine you're a doctor and you have somebody who wants to pay you in cash versus you having to spend time and money billing a health insurance plan. Um, it takes about 30 to 40% of their costs, uh, you know, of the revenue to bill, right? And so right. if I show up with a credit card and it's a percent and a half or 2%, you're ripping out a massive amount of administrative costs for just billing the health insurance plan. In addition to that, the doctors typically spend about 30% of their time dealing with health insurance companies. You know, that's 30% that they could be taking care of patients. And so we f- we fix that billing problem by giving them a, a credit card, you know, like here's a credit card, bill it, right? Um, and we give the doctors time back because they don't have to go and get a pre-authorization from a health plan to do a certain procedure. And so we're if, if we go in and say, we'll, we'll pay in cash, um, we're getting 30, 40, 50% discounts versus what health plans will pay. And so we're, we, you as an individual can actually negotiate your bills more effectively. You have more power in negotiating your bills than United Healthcare, which is the seventh largest you know, company on the planet by revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the beauties of our, our model is we are bringing consumerism into healthcare and that's you know, getting us significantly better, better prices. And docs love us. Like They're like, please, can you send more people our way? We'll give you huge discounts if you just you know pay in cash, so I don't have to deal with the health insurance plan. Right. And by the way, the day you provide the service, it takes about sixty to ninety days to actually get paid. Right. Yeah. So imagine that if you are working for a corporation, mo- mo- a lot of people I'm assuming who read this or are right, like, and you don't get paid. Oh, you're providing a service today. I'll pay in sixty or ninety days. You'd be like, hell no, you're not. You're paying me now you know, right. latest within a week or two, right? Like that, that's not even acceptable. Um, so the doctors love us and that's why we're able to get good, good pricing. And it, and it helps even more with the, the big ones. So let's just say you're, you know, your wife or, or somebody has a, a NICU baby, right? Like a neonatal intensive care, it's a million dollars. I can go into that hospital and crowd health will negotiate on your behalf. And we're getting about 60 to 70% discounts on some of those big bills. Because look, that hospital has a decision to make. They can try to take all million dollars from you, put you into bankruptcy, or they can negotiate with you. And you know, 
99 times out of 100, they will negotiate with you and that you can get significant discounts versus what the health plans are paying just by acting as an individual as opposed to a part of a big corporation. Um, and like I said, we're managing all that negotiation for us. We actually have attorneys on our side who are contacting these hospitals. And so, you know, it's, it has a pretty big impact. And now we get a little story time, Texas Slim story time. Damn, do I like to tell stories. Well, I'm from Texas. Sometimes they're tall, sometimes they're not tall. Looking out this window right here, I see a bunch of cow, they're eating grass. They're not a carbon hazard. They're actually regrowing the soil. They're actually giving energy to this planet. They're giving energy to us, the individuals in which we steward and which we consume. We've been doing this for thousands upon thousands of years. But what I do see, I see fall in the air. It made me and reminded me of a time whenever I'd get tired of Austin uh, being from a small town, Texas, even when Austin was cooler than it is now, because it was. Um, Y'all can fight me on that one. But one thing that I'd always do, I get a little tired of basically being in Austin. And I've always had my my buddies and my cowboy friends and my mountain friends and my beach friends and everybody I could always go and kind of hang out with. I've always been that hippie punk cowboy. But uh, one thing I always did is in the fall, you guys uh, that hunt know that it's uh, the bulls are, are out there and they're screaming. They're bugling. What that means is it's elk hunting time. Well, I used to cowboy up in uh, in the southern Rockies out there in New Mexico, and I had a buddy that I grew up with, and we'll just call him uh, we'll call him Carrot Top. But anyways, Carrot Top. Uh, whenever I fled to Austin, he fled to basically the mountains. And whenever he first got to the mountains, he was pretty. Uh, he was a greenhorn. Uh, not really. He grew up hunting all that, but he didn't know how to be a true mountain man. So. They had horses up there and everything, but the fall was always fantastic. We always went on a fall hunt, and these were true hunts. They would go on for two weeks. We would pack into the San Diego de Cristo, sometimes a place called the Valle Vidal. But one thing we did was get the horses ready. We'd break a couple horses and whatnot. Me and old Carrot Top one day, we're out there, and he was young. And like I said, he was a greenhorn. He wasn't a horse whisperer yet. He is now, and I give him much credit for <laughs> getting there. But uh, what he did is uh, he used to be a little rough around the edges whenever we'd get these cantankerous horses. We had mules, we had horses, and uh, we would break those horses. We had one horse that we were breaking that year. We we're trying to get it ready for a pack horse. And uh, anyways, we were there's a lot of things we were doing with that horse. Anyways, man, yeah, well, I almost said his damn name. Carrot Talk, uh, he got on top of that horse, and he was in a bad mood that day. I think he was hungover. I'm not sure. But what he did is he pushed that horse a little bit too long, and it horse went right up on him, and he kept on going back, if y'all can picture that. Oh, Carrot Top never let go. And the time that horse landed on top of him, I think he snapped a few vertebrae that kind of hurt and gave him a cushion or two uh, at the same time. Uh, knocked the breath out of him, of course, and everything. Time the horse got off of him, I went over and checked him out, and his old eyes were just a squiggling, and he was having a rough time. Oh, Carrot Top was. Horse was doing fine, but Carrot Top was learning a life lesson. That life lesson is, you know, Whenever we're trying to make change in any type of spirit, you don't force it upon an animal. And that means horses. It means cattle. It means people. You don't force change. What you do is you 
basically steward change within people's spirits and their mindsets and their bodies. Oh, uh, Carrot Top, he got busted up. We went to a, a small town hospital. They did some x-rays. He cracked a couple of vertebrae and stuff like that. He could walk. He was kind of dumb for a couple of days, but uh, he, he learned a life lesson. And uh, and he's one of the best horsemen that I know now. Uh, he, he raised his boys to be some of the best uh, uh, horse stewards that I've ever seen. They're ropers. They're all that kind of good stuff that you fall into as young men. And your daddy's got a couple of horses that you get to play with and you got some cattle that you can rope. So that was uh, one of my experiences down there in, uh, in Southern Rockies in New Mexico. It came into uh, a time in my life where, you know, I was all over the place. But what I was able to do is I was focused on how I was raised. And every time I got to go to those mountains and we got to get on those horses and we got to play with the cattle, we got to go hunt. Uh, you know, we always, we flew people in, they had a little money and what would do, we'd pack in. And that year, Carrot Top had to do it with a couple of cracked vertebrae. We had a big storm came through. It, it kind of down trees. We'd always have to have a chainsaw. We, you know, we had mules. We would pack in probably a week. We it was a gradual process on an elk hunt way back in the Vidal. So it takes you a while to get back there. It takes you time to establish camp, and then you usually have about four guys that come in and women, of course, and uh, they get to fly in. And they get to uh, be catered to. And we would fly in anything, their menu that they want. Sometimes it's about a week. Sometimes it's two to uh, 10 days when these hunts would go. Just because you're way back in the middle of paradise, basically on horseback and mule. In the fall, in the Southern Rockies. Well, uh, <laughs> long story short, we had a great hunt that year. But I just want y'all to remind you, carry your tools with you. Old Carrot Top went on a hunt. He was gone for two days with one guy. It was the last bull of the season that we were going to get. Uh, everybody else stayed back in camp. They had had, you know, one guy got a cow. That's all he wanted. Other people got smaller bulls, but we're going for that trophy. Well, Carrot Top went out there, and they were two, day, two days back. They were solo on their own, two of them, and uh, they got a good size bull. And I believe he was like a 6'5". But one thing that old uh, Carrot Top forgot, because he got hit on the head, because he was trying to break a horse and he was trying to change spirit in the wrong way. Well, guess what? He forgot his damn knife. And uh, all they had was in the middle of nowhere, out in the middle of nowhere, nowhere, in the middle of the Southern Rockies, in the middle of the Valle Vidal, the San Diego de Cristo Mountains, all they had was a little uh, pocket man knife. One of those little things that got little pliers on it, got a little screwdriver, <laughs> you know, kind of a Swiss Army wannabe. I don't know what it is. A leather man. That's what it was. All Carrot Top had was a leather man. And uh, he had to quarter an elk out in the middle of nowhere by Vidal, Sunday de Cristo, Southern Rockies. So always remember, carry your tools with you. Always know that you can't change. You can force spirit upon somebody else. You got to steward it. You do it with respect, honesty, integrity. Always remember, there's always a story coming from Texas Slam. They're only going to get better. I'll follow up on that story a little bit later on. Love you guys. Peace. God bless. Much gratitude. Let's move forward with some integrity. Well, and I think that a lot of the general public doesn't understand how that is possible. 
a lot of times if you're you know, if you if you've gone through a major incident and you know maybe insurance we know how many calls how much harassment happens to those who can't yeah. afford to pay their bills when it comes to health care in the medical and the insurance industries they are very powerful they can really destroy people's emotions and they're and they're basically they can liquidate people's lives pretty easily if you don't have this type of knowledge saying hey this is always a negotiation it's a value for value mm -hmm. this is what we're going to do now from here on out you know as far as the consumer and like you said the doctors probably think this is the best in sliced bread right yes. so they're, they're like they love it. hell yeah man we'll do this we'll, we'll treat every one of your patients please we'll put them at top of the list because we want to be treating a patient differently because most uh doctors they have less than 15 minutes to talk to you anymore right <clears throat> that's some statistics that are out there that, and I've heard it from the doctors themselves. And I have some doctors that have, you know, really came into the beef initiative and provides me great information about, you know, where we are as far as health in the United States, but also some of them are kind of wanting to check out. So here's another roadmap and another rabbit hole that they can go down and saying, well, maybe I've had a medical doctor say, screw you, medical you know, industry. I'm going to be a functional medical doctor now. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be more proactive instead of reactive with mm -hmm. the way I am a doctor and how I treat my patients. And I think as we keep moving forward in each conference that I've had, I've had somebody that represents you know, functional medicine and medical, but it really comes from this point of view of basically doing a value for value exchange from the patient to the doctor. And how mm -hmm. do we get there? Something like crowd health. And so, totally. you know, one thing I think people have a big question mark and you've done it. You've done it personally, just like I've done everything I do in the beef initiative. I don't do anything unless I go out there and show proof of work. But how are we going to let people or give them the education or the guidance to position themselves to be able to get out of the insurance, you know, racket that they're uh, captured in at this point in time? And what is kind of the roadmap that you can kind of give some advice towards? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, interestingly, the, some of the best marketing is actually coming from the insurance plans. You know, they're the ones that are sending <laughs> right. us like you know, these, they call them EOBs, these explanation of benefits. I'm sure, you know, some of your, your audience has gotten these things. They're like pages long. They're, they got CPT codes on them. And you're like, no. what the hell does this mean? Right. And the funny thing about this is like 80% of those are incorrect. Those are the statistics. 80% mm -hmm. of the bills that you'll get from a hospital are incorrect. And yeah. so, you know, you send those, all you have to do is when you get a bill in the mail, which you and I live in Texas, so I think you can you can uh, commiserate with me. Like the two things I hate getting in the mail are property taxes and healthcare bills, right? Because 100%. both both of them, you're like, no. I don't have a freaking clue. Like it's yeah. a, it's a fiat system, right? It's like I'm going to tell you what you're going to pay, and right. we're saying on the healthcare bill side is no, that's not how much I'm going to pay. I'm actually going to negotiate with you. And there's actually a law. It's uh, Universal Commercial Code two three zero five that says. If you do not provide a price up front, you have to negotiate a price later. You can't fiat it. It's you have wow. to negotiate it. Love and so that. we have uh, we have uh, attorneys on our side that will negotiate for that for you. We'll look through your bill and make sure it's right. Again, eighty percent of the time it's wrong. So that's you know right off the top, we go to the hospital and say you billed us incorrectly. Who should we contact about this? And the you know the the regulatory authorities to tell them that you upbilled us for a charge that I didn't even you know didn't even see that doctor. Um, so we help you with that stuff. So it's man, I, I think the the health insurance companies are like, you know, 
the the Kodaks and the blockbusters of the day of you know the 80s and the 90s where it's like they, they're screwing up so much and they 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 don't want to you know do anything that's going to hit hurt their core business that ultimately they're going to be disrupted and I think it's going to be by people who are so pissed off that they have no say in what goes on with their own healthcare that ultimately people say I'm not doing this anymore I'm out I'm opting out of of health yeah. insurance and so we're just trying to get on as many you know podcasts or blogs or things that and just tell people like you can do this outside of health insurance i got a wife and i have two girls like i am 100 percent confident in my ability to pay my health care bills without having health insurance right um and i wouldn't do this you know I, I i my family's on this like my money is where my mouth is right um and so we're we're doing this and you know, we, we had somebody who, who told us they had colon cancer last week and my heart didn't even skip a beat. I'm like, all right, you know, let's do this. This is, yeah. this is what we're for. Right. Um, so we just got to get out there and spread the word and, and, you know, sponsor more things like you're doing and, and find the people that this really resonates with. And I think, man, the, 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 the ranchers and the folks in the beef initiative, either they're the buyers or the sellers of, of that, I think will really resonate with this you know, screw health insurance, opt out of the, the fiat health insurance system and try something different. Well, I think what's magical about all of this, it is word of mouth. You know, that's what Beef Initiatives has been from day one. We're not a marketing campaign. Uh, we're grassroots. Uh, you guys are grassroots in so many mm -hmm. different ways as well. But what I feel like whenever I speak to you in the times that we've met is that, okay, well, hell yeah, I want that accountability. I want that obligation to steward my family, my health, my family, my children the correct way. Because I know on the other side, Crowd Health has found some doctors and in finding more and more doctors that are do are going to have the same state of mind of obligation and accountability. And whenever you have two different uh, parties once again, there you get your value for value exchange. Mm -hmm. You get that intentionality of your health and how you live your life. It's yeah. like, okay, I'm obligated to help take care of this community that is 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 with the with me doing this with me, and I'm doing it with them. Yeah. As far as this being a community based healthcare program, right now in our society, it goes back to that division of you know interpersonal communication. You don't know your neighbor and everything like that. What it, what it really does, it, it starts forming a state of mind that it is a sense of empowerment. It's not fear. It's, an, it's a sense of empowerment in the industry that yeah. we, we have to operate in within the insurance industry. It's a multinational big O conglomerate that basically you do not feel secure. The only time you feel secure is if you don't go bankrupt. Yep. You're like, whew, man. I survived that one. What's next? Yeah. What does that do with your emotional state of mind, with your financial state of mind, with your empowerment of your own self and your own spirit, your own family? You know, it, it, there's so many things you can point at that what you guys are doing, it really does allow somebody to say, okay, there is a different option here. Well, you know, it's, 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 it's infuriating to me that, um, you know, these health plans, about one out of every five claims they deny, like yeah. they deny all these claims. And so you go in thinking that, oh, well, I'm taken care of and I should feel safe. And it was like, no, 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 no. Like these companies actually have a financial incentive to deny your claims, you know, and that's the challenge. And so we had 250,000 families last year go bankrupt, even though they had health insurance um, sure. due to a health event, right? And so it's like, you know, because their claim got denied, or they have this huge uh, deductible, 
you know, on their on their health plan where they don't have six or eight or ten or twelve thousand dollars to meet their deductible. And so they're going bankrupt as a result of this. And so it's like, man, like that's that's got to change. It breaks my heart. And, um, you know, we've got to do something now or else the federal government is going to do something. And that's going to look like a Medicare for all, which now the government directly can tell you what you can and can't do with your health. And that's what I'm trying to combat is I don't want a federally mandated you know, health insurance program because that's a disaster for everybody. It's been shown to be a disaster around the world from my perspective. And so we've got to get back to being community members. Just one or a couple of quick stories here about the community component of this, because I mm-hmm. think it's so important to what we're doing. We had a member uh, two or three months ago who got her hand caught in the prop of a, of a boat, you know, it severed four of her fingers. So we had the bills were fifty or sixty thousand dollars or something like that, um, and so we went out to our community members and said, "Hey, will you help this woman?" And you know, we told the story, and they actually came back and said, "Not only am I going to give what you asked me to give, I want to give more. I want to give more to this woman because I feel so bad for her and what she's going through." Right. right. We had a miscarriage three or four weeks ago, and we went out and crowdfunded it, and people came back and was like, "I feel so bad for this woman in the miscarriage. Like, I want to give more to them and help them." Like. That's what community does. It's like, I want to help you so that you can get back to a place of where you need to be. And you'll never see that within the health insurance. It's not like you go to your doctor and the doctor says it's 150 bucks. You're like, you know what? I want to give you more than $150. Like, you know, it just doesn't happen. Um, So I think that's the power of of the the community. And, um, you know, we we're all part of the same community. And so if we try to, you know, suck out as much value as possible, then that's going to have a direct impact on other community members because they're paying in, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're helping you or not helping you. So there is this trying to bring back this community component of what we do. Um, and we have a community of Bitcoiners too, who are sharing, you know, funds just between each other, uh, which is kind of cool. And so it's like, Hey, I, I don't want you to sp- spend too much on me. And so I want to take care of myself because you're gonna have to go and sell your Bitcoin at some point, right? Like, I don't want right. you to sell your Bitcoin. Like, that's, that's not what I want you to do. So it's these affinity groups that I think are really building community. And it's, it's pretty cool. All I need now is like a thousand ranchers to sign up so I can have a rancher, you know, community yeah. who are all sharing, you know, bills with each other. They're like, Hey, I know what you're going through. I'm happy to, to help you out as my community member, my, of my, of the rancher community. Well, and before we, we hit record today, we were talking about, you know, you just, you just took a drive, right? Mm-hmm. And thank you for that, you know, breakdown of, you know, letting, cause you're right. And to reflect on what you said, you know, that's that's peer-to-peer, you know, people, then once again, peer-to-peer relationships that people, humanity is strong right now, people. We don't have to live in this fear that they're pushing down everybody's throat every day. We have ways to actually get back to where you're yearning for and everything. And that's a perfect example, you know, people helping people. And it's not cliche. This is actually happening. You get to see it in your life is improved just because of what you're doing, because you're pointing your compass in a different direction and you're basically showing proof of work and you are building, you're innovating Mm -hmm. in a time of mass prohibition. I tell everybody all the time during these times of mass prohibition and there's personal space, mind space, everything that they're doing with money, uh, socially, everything, it's time to, to innovate in a massive way, just like they are. And so that's what you're doing. 
And here's here's a kind of a reflection on how much it's needed. You know, you mm-hmm. say the ranching community, which is rural community. Mm-hmm. Well, you just went on a drive in in the mm-hmm. state of Texas, and you know you were telling me about it. So let's talk about that because I've I've mentioned it several times, and now you got to witness basically what I've been saying since I left to Tennessee back in late May. Yeah, you know, so I I had a wedding up in Tyler, Texas. I live in Austin, so went went up, you know up 35 and then headed, headed east. But as you head east, you go through about 15 or so of these little rural Texas towns. You know, they're my, our favorite one. We were kind of joking about it in our car, car car was called Karen's Texas. And we were just wondering how many Karen's live in Karen, Texas. (laughs) Um, I'm sure Karen's Texas is great, but I'm just making goof, you know, Mount Calm, Texas. Um, So all these little towns where you roll through them, as I mentioned to you, I was listening to you on Marty's podcast, uh, you know, a week and a half ago or so. And you were just saying like all these little towns have these dollar generals and then, you know, some kind of fast food. And so what I noticed is like the first time you go into the town, there is dollar general. It's like the first store. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, you know, a quarter mile down the way, which is like halfway through the town, right. Is a dairy queen, mm-hmm. you know, they might have a Sonic in, in addition to that, but I can tell you what, every single one of those towns had a Dollar General and a Dairy Queen. Some of them had two Dairy Queens. And I'm yeah. like, holy crap, this is where people are getting their food. Um, you know, and, and, and knowing, and I've kind of been on the learning curve over the last probably decade or so around how, how what I put in my body actually impacts my, my weight and have, have been transitioning to more of a, a carnivore-like diet. Um, I'm like, there's no way I could live in this town and be able to eat the diet that I eat, you know, in Austin, Texas. Like, I just can't do it. Um, and so it's, it's really sad. And then you go outside these towns and you have just all kinds of land, you know, that yeah. that's pretty much empty. Or as we were talking about, you know, has these like big windmill things, turbines sitting in the middle of them. And I'm like, holy crap, like, what are we doing to our planet? I mean, this is this is absolutely absurd to me. Um, and so those 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 food deserts, as we think about them, the, the mainstream media wants you to think about, oh, this that's just urban core. Right. Those are just the poor people of the urban core have food deserts. And I'm walking, going through Karen's, Texas. I was like, this is a freaking food desert because they mm-hmm. only have two options and both of them are crappy. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, I try to get, you know, these little one-liners that people can remember. And I always just tell everybody, I said, you know, right next to that, uh, you know, you have the old, you used to have the old gas station, you know, mm-hmm. and it had a vending machine in it. And that mm-hmm. was it. Well, the, vac- the gas station turned into the convenience store. The convenience store turned into the gas station. Well, now modern times where we are state of affairs right now is your convenience store has now become the new supermarket. And the supermarket is the old convenience store in so many different ways. And that is that's, that is the source. That is the market access to any type of food that those small communities want to have. What people do really do not understand, and I can say this very strongly because it's where I come from, these small towns used to be the strongest and most healthiest in our nation. And now they are some of the most unhealthiest and they are captured within this basically decentralization of our food supply that's happened in the last 50 years. And we don't have to go down that. I said, talk about it all the time, how it's (laughs) happened, why it's happened and everything. It is real. And people need to understand that most of America right now, most of rural America is a food desert. And people don't want to admit this. They don't see it. They stay on the interstate. 
they take the easy way through and they circumvent around any of that stuff. Cause you get on that interstate, you get on I-35, you're going to get your best Westerns. You're going to get mm-hmm. this restaurant, this restaurant, this restaurant, go drive 25,000 miles across the country. And you're going to see the same damn thing everywhere you go on the interstates. It is controlled, the food, everything go to a small town. It's all controlled by the same thing. It's, it's dollar generals. It's a convenience store. And it's uh, basically, like you said, a Dairy Queen in Texas, you know, whatever you want to call it anywhere else. And you're right. Dairy Queen and uh, Sonic have, uh, you know, they've got a grip of uh, the the market access to fast food in in these small, small rural towns. So let's look back at that. In that same rural community, you know what you got? You got an animal producer somewhere really close to you that has been shut off out of your life, out of your basically market access to even know who they are. And what they usually are is they're a rancher trying to basically uh, live and trying to basically grow and steward the land and the food for you, the consumer, the community, the community in which they live in. That's where we came from. That's how small town Texas was so powerful throughout, you know, all the way up until now, let's say in the Mm -hmm. 80s, my small town got killed by the savings and loan and by the, the land acquisition that happened from farmers back then. I saw my small town die. It was it was a dead town whenever I pointed my compass towards Austin. Well, right now people can really understand that there's plenty of land. Uh, we don't have to worry about the land. It's how we access the land, but there's also plenty of good, really dense nutritional protein for these families in these rural communities. I hear the ranchers all the time saying, I have to sell way over there because mm-hmm. I can't get people to understand that I'm right here. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the centralized form of uh, consumption models that we use with audio and video. You know, the rancher doesn't have a voice anymore. He doesn't have a voice whenever he's stewarding his land and his cattle and his lifestyle. Well, he doesn't have a voice whenever he's in, in, in healthcare either. They've lost it. And mm-hmm. one thing that people can understand, and that's what we're going to go for, especially you and I, is we're going to reach a thousand ranchers. Let's 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 meet a thousand ranchers that hear this and say, "Hmm, okay, now I see what they're trying to accomplish." Let me let me look into this because there are so many rural communities in across this across this nation right now that are ready for it we just have to get out there to them we have to reach them and it takes especially the bitcoiners but anybody else out there listening to this it takes us being able to spread this word spread this message and understand the problem get the source of the seed of the problem get to the source of the seed of the solution if we can hit rural america in the way that i'm trying within the beef initiative and we can do it for crowd health as well. We're bringing pillars of strength back into these people's communities, into the individual sovereign mindset that a lot of these ranchers already have. They're already decentralized as much as they can be. Mm-hmm. And if they can have that pillar of strength of thought, you know, that's this is what we're shooting for. This is my goal, you know, bringing crowd health in and partner up with you guys. Yeah, well, I appreciate that because we are we are all on board with that. I think you know the the ranchers out there can kind of listen to this and say you can have access to the best healthcare in this country. You know, it's like one of those things where we we rip on our health system a lot, right? But mm-hmm. if you have a heart attack, you want to be in the United States. Yep. You know, if you have cancer, you have, you want to be in the United States. Like there are hospitals in New York City that have full floors that just cater to uh, royalty, foreign royalty. You know, the Saudi family comes to New York to get their mm-hmm. healthcare. Like right. you can't have access to that. And even if you're in, you know, Karen's Texas, because what we give you access to is like, look, 
jump on your phone or, or your laptop or whatever, and you can talk to a doc virtually. There's no need to walk into his doctor's office. Like there is very little need to walk into a doctor's office. You know, if you have an urgent care issue, talk to a doctor virtually over the Crowd Health app. If you are, you know, have some other kind of specialty issue, a heart issue, talk to a Crowd Health doc over the app. You can talk to them, some of the leading clinicians in the country you can talk to over your Crowd Health app. You don't need them in your, in your backyard. And so we truly believe that we can give rural America access to the best in the world um, virtually. Um, if you're, if you're comfortable with that, and I think more and more people are just becoming more comfortable with like, I don't want to hang out in a clinic or a hospital ER or any of the things like I want to be, you know, here in the comfort of my own home, talking to a doctor who can help me think through this. Um, and all of that stuff is included in your membership at, at crowd health. And if something does big happen, then, you know, you can get to the local hospital. But other than that, um, you really can care for yourself really, really well from the comfort of your home, as opposed to going and seeing a, a, a doc. Well, you just reflected, you gave me a reflection on my childhood. I had Dr. Boswell. May she rest in peace. She was a hell of a doctor. She delivered me. She set my broken bones. She did so much. She finally gave up on me when I was about, I don't know, 16, 17. I had broke my arm again that she had set when I was younger, and they had to put a bunch of metal in it. So she said, I ah, don't do that. So she was a little older. She was you know, phasing out at that time. But you, you bring up, you know, if you do get beat up, if you have a heart attack, if you get, you know, I've broken my neck. I've got 20 broken bones. I've got 14 pieces of metal. I've got several life and death stories that I'm going to start bringing out of like, how, how how did, I, how did I get here? <laughs> so by saying that, you know, you're, you're making me, you're reminding me, I broke my damn toe once and uh, my dad, Dr. Boswell lived three blocks away, you know, mm -hmm. and it was a form of like, I felt okay. He's like, man, she's part of the family. And I, I believe yeah. that people can really start, you know, in these small town Texas, so many doctors have left small communities. Mm. How many doctors would love to be in a little town of 1,500 people, and that's all they do is take care of people in that small Man, that'd town? that'd be awesome. That'd be and awesome. they can do it, but they're not and, allowed to. And we're not divorcing the medical industry. Some of it needs to be mm -hmm. divorced of what we just said. And I will never backtrack on that. But what we need to remember is that we do have the best health care if you can get market access to the right health care. Right. And divorcing the insurance companies is a roadmap to get there. Yeah. Just like within food, we have some of the we have the best animal protein in the world. It, it's by far, especially in Texas, because I'm a Texan, I'm going to say that. But we also have some of the worst food in the world. So mm -hmm. what do you do? Divorce yourself from the shitty food and get back to the source of the seed of what got us here. And that's pure animal protein. For me, it's beef. It can be, you know, fowl, hog, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Same mindset with insurance, healthcare, medical. That's what you have to decompartmentalize so you can compartmentalize what you're going to do in the direction you want to go. Yeah. And I, I think it's fascinating. I've been waiting for something like this forever. And uh, I can't wait. Um, when I slow down a little bit, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm signing <laughs> up. I just, uh, I haven't had time. I've been on the road. Just don't add any more metal when you sign I'm up. I'm not going to, man. <laughs> uh, hopefully those damn days are over with. I'm tired. I don't want it no more. And I, I'm feeling too damn good these days. So I don't want to break anymore. So the last thing I did was chopped off half of my fingers. So I'm yeah. done. So good. But awesome. you know what? Whenever I went in there, they took care of it really fast. I've had excellent care whenever it comes to that mechanical type of putting me back together. You know, it's it's been 
fascinating. But what I had to do to be able to, you know, to overcome the bills or everything when I had insurance, when I didn't have insurance, you know, it is, it'll destroy you financially. It'll destroy a lot of people and destroys a lot of families every, every year. Like you said, 250,000, probably this last year went into bankruptcy because they got sick or they had not. And I I want to echo something you said, which is like, this is not anti-doc. This is pro-doc. It was like, we love the doctors. We have the best doctors on the planet. And it's like, we actually want to empower them to, you know, be able yep. to practice the medicine and not get into the administrative BS of, of the health insurance. We want to give them back the joy of, of practicing medicine, which is why they did it in the, in the first place. So, you know, a lot of people want to point their finger at the docs and say, oh, it's the docs. They're getting made. They're making too much money, all this kind of stuff. Well, the stat is, is that the doctor's salary, the ones who are actually providing your care is only 8% of total healthcare costs. So 8% of our dollars, you know, going in eight, eight cents on the dollar is going to the doctor, right? Like that's the challenge that we have with our healthcare. And most of it is administrative stuff that doctors have to deal with. So this is not the doctors. Um, In fact, it's the opposite of that. Doctors want to disrupt this as, as much as I do. Well, and that, now you made me think of something and a lot of people are against, you know, especially the mainstream people out there. They're still, you know, the normies, whatever you want to call them, you know, they're anti-rancher, you know, this mm-hmm. climate change, just carbon, cow, you know, the cows, a carbon hazard. And, you know, we've, I've been noticing a lot of ranchers are suspect of people because they think everybody hates them right now. That's all they see all day long. And so what they're, what people need to understand whenever it comes to the beef initiative as well this ain't the, the issues that we're facing within the beef industry. It's not the ranchers. It's the multinational corporations that are doing this. And we need to gather around and get every rancher to understand mm-hmm. that we're behind you and we're here. You know, that's only that's my mission is to give that damn rancher a voice. Well, let's give the doctor a voice again by allowing them to treat you in a way that they feel that they need to be uh, moving forward with you as their patient, them as the trusted doctor that took an oath. Yeah. And that way that makes them a better doctor, makes you a better patient. Yeah. You know, the, the, the reason why the doctors can only spend like seven minutes with you on average is because the health insurance plan has reduced their rates so low that they have to get so many people in to pay for all the costs of health billing health insurance. And so it's like, you know, they could spend a half an hour, or an hour with you if they had, you know, the, the, the capability to the financial capability of doing that. And so, you know, if you go into the doctor and you feel like the doctor's not giving you enough time, Trust me, it's not because of the doctor. It's because of the insurance company putting restrictions on what they can and cannot do. And then also putting restrictions on them by, you know, jacking up the cost of of billing the health insurance plan, which costs about 20 or 30% of the revenue. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, you and I could probably talk for the next eight hours on this one. And we're going (laughs) to, I mean, I've got some dates that I'm going to, you know, we're, we're into fall. We're going to be getting into, you know, uh, winter. We're going into the holiday season. And, you know, this will be something good for you and I to really kind of keep on following up. We're partnered up and everything. So one thing, a lot of people that aren't Bitcoiners, you know, they, they're understanding what's the Bitcoin play here? Sure. What is it with crowd health and Bitcoin and beef initiative and Bitcoin? And so I have no problem talking about it, yeah. but I always like to kind of, you know, follow up with it after a period of time, you know, introducing the idea first, the why, yeah. Yeah. And, and then discuss the why. Then you and I down here in November, December, we'll come back and talk about the how and the what. 
I'm I'm coming to your event in November, so I'm awesome. Looking I was going to ask that. you. I was going to make sure you're there. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to be there. I got permission from my wife just the other day, so I'm going to be there. Um, Fantastic. So you know, the, on the Bitcoin thing, that the thing that typically happens is you're sending premiums into a health insurance plan, and then they're holding it in this big pool of fiat, right? So if in case something big happens, they have this capital in the background, and it's actually regulated. Like they have to have this capital. Well, the problem with that is. You have a big pool of fiat, which is melting as we speak, right? Eight and a half percent last last month, I think it was. And so the, the value of that pool is going down. And so they actually they have to charge you more um, to keep that the value of that pool up, right? Um, and so in essence, what's happening in healthcare is you're having monetary supply inflationary issues, which is decreasing the value of that pool. You're also having a systemic healthcare issue, which we talked about a lot today which is also increasing the price. And so both of these things are acting all at once. And so we're working on the price side by negotiating as individuals. We're working on the monetary inflation side by saying, hey, instead of you putting money in and just letting it sit there, why don't you put money in a part of it, which is going to be to uh, um, converted to Bitcoin. So you actually have like a, a decentralized group of Bitcoin accounts as opposed to one centralized pool of fiat. Um, and so, and, and by the way, if that Bitcoin goes up, so it's at 19,000, I think today, if it goes to 100,000, all of that appreciation is yours. If you put money into a health insurance plan, they will invest that money as well. And guess who's, you know, pr profit that goes to them. So yeah. we want to put the profit back into your pocket on that investment, as opposed to the health plans pocket. And it stabilizes the entire group too, because it's in Bitcoin as opposed to fiat dollars, which are declining in value. I love it. I love it. And that's a that's a good kind of an introduction on how you know this is going to really. I love it that we're early. You know, this is fun. You know, yeah. we are early into this innovation, and you know, and people can have some faith because we have some proof of work. I mean, this this is playing out. A lot of times people, they're, it's not that they're anti something new, anti idea, anti anything. It's just, you know, there's a lack of understanding. Yeah. And, you know, every rancher that I talk to, you know, they're, they're an educator above anything and they love to educate. Uh, you're, you're definitely educating people within the health industry. And if you, somebody's watched this last, you know, 45 minutes to an hour that we're on this, more education in this small period of time than most people have had in their lifetime when it comes to insurance companies, when it comes to medical. And, you know, what they can do is they can they can have faith that they can point their compass towards, you know, who you are, the company that you are. You know, we're going to affiliate, you know, in within our platform, you know, it'll have crowd health there. We're going to start incorporating all of our affiliations, all of our partnerships. And so, People listening to this saying, yeah, I want more. Let's go into, you know, what are, how are they going to find you? Give people kind of a protocol of a roadmap of what they can expect from, you know, removing themselves to educating themselves a little bit more today or tomorrow, this weekend, whatever it's going to be to where they can, you, you, you basically are stewarding their change. Yeah. You know, go and visit us at Join Crowd Health. The first thing you'll do upon signing up is you're going to have a 15 minute um, Kind of intro to what we we do, and you have a care advocate, an ally in Crowd Health. So we're not we don't act like a big corporation where you call into a call center and you talk to a different person every single time about what's going on with your healthcare to figure out what the problem is. Like you can call into Crowd Health, you have the same person every single time. They'll walk you through how it exactly it works. A lot of it you've heard today, and you'll be paying 175 bucks a month into an account. 
And, and like I said, that money is yours. And so if you were to leave CrowdHealth, you actually take that money with you. You know, this is not a, you know, uh, send it in and never see it again. It's, it's your money. You know, you're the agent for, for your, your own body, your own health. And that's just an exciting part of, of what we're, of what we're doing. So go to joincrowdhealth.com. Um, I'm on Twitter. If you want to see proof of work, um, join crowd health on Twitter. We actually are putting out the data that we are, are collecting internally. So, you know, we had a guy in Wisconsin who had an $86,000 quote on his surgery. We found him somebody to do it for $22,000. Wow. Um, we had somebody who, you know, had an ACL tear. They had a quote of $22,000. We found it for them for $12,000. Both outcomes were stellar. I mean, we're showing our proof of work on, on Twitter. You can say like, this is what we're actually doing on a day-to-day basis. So um, Twitter is probably the best place to find us if you're on Instagram or you know some of the other social media networks. We're there too. Um, but we'd really love people to give us a try um, because we think it's it's way different. It's way better. You're going to get way better care and our, our folks love it. So come come give it a shot. Join CrowdHealth.com. I love it, man. This is, this is a great introduction. I think this is, this is, is it, like I say, man, this is an international lifestyle. Everybody's going to come along with this. They just don't understand it yet, but uh, we're getting there every time, every conversation we have, every meeting we have, you know, we're going in, uh, we're engineering something that's new for a lot of people that's going to give them a pillar of strength, you know, within their physicality, within their sovereign mindset, everything about it, especially within their family and their community. So, Mm -hmm. Andy, uh, I'm going to hit the road again. I'll be down there uh, off and on for the next 10 days. I got to fly out to Charlotte too, but... uh, I'll, uh, I'll ping you whenever I get down to Austin and we'll go have lunch or something like that. I'd love to do that, man. Thanks so much for the time, Slim. Hey, man, I appreciate you. Uh, I look forward to this partnership, uh, the change that we're, we're about to uh, unleash on the United States, at least, and the world. And, you know, even if it's just an understanding of where we are and where we're going to go. So Let's do it. everybody Let's else do it. out there, you know, thank you for uh, participating and, uh, you know, Let's all do this together. This is community-based. This is something that uh, you don't have to ask for permission. Mm -hmm. Appreciate you, Andy. Take care. God bless y'all. Hey, guys, I hope you all enjoyed that uh, that recording with uh, Andy and Crowd Health. I see a lot of possibilities right there, especially in rural America, everybody that we're targeting, especially uh, ranching families, people living out in the country. Uh, but it doesn't have to be anybody. It can be anybody living right in the middle of the city. So, uh, you know, pay attention, come to the Beef Initiative, uh, go to the Substack, of course, you can get more information on Crowd Health. Um, you know, this is something that we've been uh, moving towards. You know, I feel like uh, value for value exchange is starting to, you know, a lot of people are starting to talk about it. Adam Curry pretty much uh, introduced it into my purview of understanding. And I see that it's most valuable within the Beef Initiative. Beef Initiative is value for value for exchange. We are grassroots. Uh, I started this with uh, nothing more than an idea wrote down a hashtag food intelligence and I wrote an article called The Harvest of Deception. You're going to find out more about me, my story moving forward. We're going to get very transparent. You guys have heard me say that. One thing that you guys really need to kind of understand, we're supported by you, the listener. This is, uh, we are not a, a venture capital funded organization. We are a set of volunteers that basically want to change the world, change, uh, change, uh, change the families, change the community. And how we change the world is we change the individual. The sovereign individual is what we're about. It's what I'm, I'm about, but we need your help. We need you to share all of this. 
We are not a marketing campaign. We're not mainstream media. We're not anything you see on the TV. We actually ask each one of you to go to work and to basically get us some assistance. Uh, if you guys can give us your time, talent, and treasure, we want to know what that is. You know, go to um, basically, you can go to our platform. You can go to the Substack. Uh, there's information. You can contact Sean. We have an email address for you. If you can give your time, talent, and treasure. If you can't, please share this with your family. Share it with your friends. Share it around the world. This is a, this is a global initiative. It's turned out something that started out in small town Texas is now going global. And uh, we're going to make sure that we all are participating in this, whichever way we can. This is uh, something that we're not going to walk away from. It's not something that is going to slow down. We've got a lot of momentum, and the momentum is you. And uh, anytime you want to give us some feedback, give us some feedback. All the content information is right there on that Substack. And do remember, we are on the Fountain app. We are podcasting 2.0, thanks to Adam Curry and his team. We are a decentralized marketing or non-marketing, <laughs> uh, uh, I guess, show, whatever you want to call it. We are a production. We're an orchestration. We are a facilitation. So, you know, stack sats, stream sats, boost, uh, you know, that's, that's it. that is the value for value exchange. You can also go to the Beef Initiative platform. We have a donations page. We have a formal scholarship foundation trust fund. Uh, we're going to be in partner with Unchained Capital. This is something that you're going to start hearing more of. Uh, we got a full Bitcoin that me, poor boy from West Texas, I was able to achieve over a couple of years, and I put it up for the Scholarship Endowment Trust Fund. I'm not a rich man. This is something that is my life goal. It's a life mission right now, and I hope you guys come along with me. Once again, 100,000 people on that Substack is going to help us save 100,000 lives. This is for the children. Of of the future. It's up to us, the individuals, to understand what food intelligence is, what we're up against, what market access is, and basically, you know, how we get there is each individual sharing their time, talent, and treasure. Much love. We'll talk to you guys soon.